Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel is a podcast where we discuss the latest Marvel episodes and TV series as they are released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel. I'm Zach Perlstein, Editor-in-Chief of the Boardwalk Times. I'm Giovanni Delgadillo, a columnist at the Boardwalk Times. And I'm Elizabeth Pfeiffer, the Senior Editor at Boardwalk Times. It has been 563 days since the last time we've been inside the MCU. Now, finally, we have new content. Today, we will be breaking down WandaVision's first two episodes as part of our The Wonderful World of WandaVision series. So if you haven't watched WandaVision yet, stop listening now because there will be major spoilers ahead. So guys, it's been exactly 563 days without traditional MCU content. My first question was, how did it feel just to be back in the MCU? Honestly, the joy that I have in my soul is so great. It feels different, though, being back in this retro kind of feel as compared to what was the last one we saw? Homecoming? Spider-Man? Or not Homecoming. Far From Home. Far yeah, From Home. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. Um, so in went theaters. From, yeah. Saw that in theaters. And this morning I woke up and turned on my TV and watched what felt like I Love Lucy and Bewitched. So for me, this was a great return to form because it's two characters that we didn't really get to see much because they never got their own solo films ever. They've always been side characters from Age of Ultron on, um, which was their origin point. Now they finally get their own story. And I think it, it feels good to be back into the MCU in this way. It's so weird. It's so unique, so new. It, it definitely sets the hallmark for what we can expect with Phase 4 of marvel which it, it feels kind of weird to say but i feel like this is a better start than black widow so i feel like with the cards that they were dealt this was a a good move because phase four is weird so it's time people get used to it i agree i feel like black widow was the safe bet to start phase four wandavision is a risk and it shows that not every superhero story needs to be all action this was such a departure from a typical series my lord i just i loved it and these first two episodes like elizabeth said were like i love lucy like the dick van dyke show bewitched like the first two just really set the tone just the style and everything and that just brings me to what was your initial reactions to the first two episodes of this series I mean, I'm loving it. It feels like, even though it does harken back to all of those, it does have this little Truman Show, like Twilight Zone touch that I'm really, really digging. And the comedy is great. It's like the laugh track isn't as obnoxious as you would think it would be. It's just there to fit the aesthetic. And it works perfectly. Um, super funny. And Paul Bettany gets to show off his comedic chops so many times. It's great. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I am absolutely loving it. Something that I noticed right away, especially within the first episode, is that they are using the same film techniques and styles of the time. Um, like, like I said, I love Lucy, like that three camera, always stagnant and the sets. And it was very 
it was very reminiscent of the time, which was really cool. But Giovanni, you mentioned that like Twilight Zone feel to it and something, a small detail that I thought was really cool that I wanted to point off, point out right off the bat is that they kept those classic camera angles, that classic shooting and editing technique until that one point in the first episode when Mr. Hart is choking. And that is when just the camera angles and the film completely goes modern. I mean, we're still in that aspect ratio, but they're close up to the characters and you feel the intensity of that situation. And she's just going, stop, stop, stop. And that was very Twilight Zone, but also very Marvel. And the little bit of mystery that we're getting, trying to piece this together within these first two episodes, it's going to be epic. I just know it. So I actually want to piggyback off of that because that's something that a lot of people have been discussing. They think Wanda broke character intentionally, that it was written in the script because Elizabeth Olsen, when she tells Vision to help, specifically what you're mentioning with the cinematic camera angles, she's looking directly at the camera as if talking to Vision. She says, Vision help, as if like a command, like she's commanding the reality because we don't know why Vision is back or if it's even really him. And they're doing stuff like that, that Twilight Zone weird stuff, like Truman Show almost. Not breaking the fourth wall, but breaking the fourth wall in their made-up reality. And that felt like that moment because she needed Vision to do something. Speaking of that, like Twilight Zone, that ending of that first, the first episode, that was as Twilight Zone as you get. You know, you are watching the sitcom version of WandaVision and, and then the credits start to roll and it's all these weird names and stuff. I'm sure people on the internet are already deciphering the names. There's probably some hidden details within the names who were the producers within the sitcom world. And we pan out and it's S.W.O.R.D. And S.W.O.R.D. is an offshoot of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they're going to play a big role in Marvel's Phase 4. And I just wanted to see... What did you guys think of just that ending? Like you were, we were immersed in the sitcom world and then, you know, it's kind of like everything starts to fade and it's like, we're all of a sudden back in the real MCU. So that stuff feels great because S.H.I.E.L.D. has been missing like from this universe for a while now after the events of Winter Soldier, obviously the Avengers were their own thing. So they didn't really have the backup of, you know, like a giant, like, super secret agency and then agents of shield the tv show has always been in the background and now it's like being argued whether or not it's canon to the mcu um but no agents of sword coming in it it feels like for me this is why the phase four leap feels natural with this because we're getting our first introduction to sword after it was teased all the way back at the end of far from home and i don't know it just feels good to be back and there's a recognizable voice there which is more apparent in the second episode. And something that I would like to mention, going back to the aesthetic, I probably should have said this earlier, the audio in the first episode was mono, since, you know, I like talking about the audio and stuff. And that was a really cool detail. I was like, oh, nice. So we're going this old school. I think my favorite part from the aesthetic standpoint, like the goofiness standpoint, was when Wanda's in the kitchen and all the pots and pans are flying around her. And it's like, you can clearly tell it's on string Just some of like the old school special effects they were doing in this. It just was like heartwarming. And like, I think it was Elizabeth, you said earlier, like the comedy of it. Like I just loved Paul Bettany's vision because like he, he was like funny within these Marvel movies, but this is like really these two characters being hilarious, like throughout the entire 
like sitcom. That was another thing I really liked. Um, I'm glad you mentioned it with the special effects is the little sparkle like cartoon effects whenever Vision's using his powers and phasing through walls and how like they do a lot of um, just uh, cuts where they'll have the actors stand in the same place whenever they change clothes or like whenever they do something magical. And then like uh, Wanda's powers, as you've already mentioned, are pretty, you know, silly stuff on strings. So I really like that. They're keeping the the same vibe of each era so that they don't like overshoot it with too much marvel-y stuff but they still mention it a bunch another thing too is that the costumes in my opinion not a professional are very historically accurate that is something that i appreciate very much as a fashion history enthusiast um wanda's hair looked great very of the era and everybody else too their costumes were very much on point and also very again reminiscent of those tv shows like i love lucy dick van dyke show and then eventually bewitched as they move into the 60s in episode two this show's gonna be a gas as uh, agnes says well giovanni we are an unusual trio speaking of the style of the show we saw some color come into the show um beginning with the helicopter and um dotty was that her name Dottie's blood yeah. a little bit later and then eventually oh, yeah. the beekeeper was not in color but the beekeeper was a very unusual um piece and when that happened Wanda kind of freaked out and used her powers to reverse and make the episode a happy ending so let's talk about that color and let's talk about this beekeeper because I have never heard of the beekeeper in Marvel at all so there are a few different theories flying around about this, but I'm pretty sure it's not as complex as people are making it. They're saying it's a character called the Swarm, which is traditionally a beekeeper. But what I think, and, and the Swarm is a Hydra agent, but I don't think that's a thing. I think what's happening is this is maybe a light reference, but I think that every time S.W.O.R.D. attempts to send someone or something in, it transforms into their reality. So we see this helicopter this toy helicopter with the sword logo, I'm pretty sure in real life, it's supposed to look like a drone, like not even look like a toy helicopter. I'm pretty sure it's a drone that turned into a toy helicopter to match the aesthetic of the era. And then the beekeeper is wearing like some sort of hazmat suit because they think this area is like highly radioactive or something like that. And we haven't even talked about, uh, well, I know the character is Monica Rambeau, right? Tiana Paris. Yeah, yeah Tiana Paris. Yeah. She's here, but she doesn't know why. So clearly she was sent in to attempt to help Wanda some capacity and then also ended up turning into what's going on. And here's something that um, I was going to mention. So we're talking about the colors and how we see them all. The first time we see any color in this entire show is during the first commercial. Whenever they're talking about this toaster, there's a red blinking light. And then we hear Tony Stark's gauntlet and they're talking about Stark this, Stark that. That is 100% a reference to when her and her brother Pietro were stuck in Sokovia with a Stark missile in front of their face ticking down. That is that is exactly what that is. And uh, if we want to go even deeper with these commercials, second commercial is obviously her time with Strucker and, you know, Hydra and being experimented on. But people have a theory, and I think they may be 100% right, that the two people that keep reappearing in these commercials are her parents, which is like, what? Uh, yeah, so may, that may or may not be true. But yeah, that's that's something people are guessing. And they're saying they think that this is S.W.O.R.D. attempting to contact Wanda by 
planning memories to make her remember. Wow. That, wow. I, that's quite a theory. And honestly, that feels so good that like, I almost feel like that has to be real now that the commercials are like her memories. And that's how swords trying to contact Wanda to figure out who's doing this to her. That's a great theory. My only question for you, Giovanni is they're saying it's like her parents in the ad but in the comics wanda's uh dad is magneto and he's one of the more famous x-men so i don't do you think they would do you think they would really introduce one of the more famous x-men in wandavision so i'm thinking this is going to be weird because they've obviously they haven't had the rights to x-men until very recently but this entire storyline hinges on wanda losing her mind and like hating mutants eventually um so people are like well are they still gonna have that aspect of the story there's a lot left in this series that we haven't seen that's been teased i mean they've said it a million times and it happens at the end of the second episode um the kids (laughs) for the kids for the kids yeah for the kids which is totally not implying something much worse which is also a part of another wanda storyline so to answer that i'm i'm probably like i'm leaning more towards they're gonna retcon that and they might open it up with some multiverse stuff and be like oh in another reality magneto is your father or something like that but in this reality since they talk about her parents dying in you know the stark missile attack that's probably what they were implying and um there's still a lot left to go obviously we there has to be some sort of reference to quicksilver's death like in some way even if it's not in the commercials they have to mention it because this show is supposed to explore wanda's psyche more than anyone uh vision's just kind of along for the ride obviously and he's a character that people have wanted to see more even paul bettany is excited to be on again because he thought he was gone from the series forever so yeah there's there's a lot being uh that isn't being said um i actually there, there are many more Easter eggs um, that we can get to that I can mention. <laughs> yeah, those Easter eggs are honestly blowing my mind. I didn't even think too deeply into those commercials. I mean, I noticed, I was like, okay, Stark, Hydra, what does that mean? But now it all makes sense. And I think that that theory of those two people being her parents is really interesting because I, at first I was like, okay, these two people are, are in the commercials again. Cool. That's great that Marvel just casted two people to do this, but that deeper meaning makes it so much more interesting. Speaking of deeper meanings. So there is an Easter egg right off the bat in the first episode that straight up references the comic book storyline we're talking about, which includes Dr. Strange, the bottle of Merlot that she serves. Um, the two guests is titled Maison de Mepri, which is like roughly translates to House of uh, Misery, which is the famous House of M storyline in which pretty much this kind of stuff happened. So it's a neat little reference hidden within the show. Um, and there, there's, there are a few more. There is a blink and you miss it reference to the character from the comics, not the mythological character, the Grim Reaper from the comics. At the intro, the beginning of the intro for the second episode, there is a part when Vision is flying through, you know, changing clothes and whatever, where you can see the shadow of this character's helmet from the comic books on a billboard. And it's very clear and you have to pause it to see it, but it's totally the outline of his helmet. 
And if you look at Agnes's collar, her like little necklace or whatever that she's wearing, it has the Grim Reaper on it. And uh, people are already speculating that her husband may or may not be Mephisto, you know, the devil. So, which they have mentioned. That's very interesting that you say that because, you know, in some old sitcoms, it'd be like, oh, my husband or like my this or whatever. And it's a side character and you never see them because they're never cast. I just assumed when she was talking about her husband, it was one of those types of situations because old television shows just do that. But that's very, very clever of Marvel to kind of hide the fact that that might might be him with that trope. It's also a double meaning because it is definitely referencing the trope. But at first, for me at least, I thought that she was lying about it and she's living alone and she's the one manipulating Wanda and doing all this. There's a few reasons for that, which we'll talk about. But I, I do think that this theory that she's hiding who her husband actually is, holds water. I do think that there is a bigger thing going on here that leads into this rumored multiverse saga that they're doing between this um, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man 3. Maybe possibly even Loki, question mark? That one's more about time travel, but yeah. What are the odds that it actually is her, though? It, she I mean, has been preaching these two episodes like, oh, like how to keep your husband, like blah, 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 all these old values. But, you know, what if she's just a liberated woman and it's her? Oh, she's she's doing something. She keeps telling her all of these different things. Ooh, how to woo your husband. And then she bring or she says, I'm preheating. Let me set your oven to preheat and implying all these things. And uh, oh, and for the kids and taking her to all the kids events and then looking down at her stomach and then walking in with a pineapple which is she's controlling the world yeah sounds like to me no it sounds like she wants the kids and that's what's that's what's going on she's trying to get Wanda to have these kids because she wants them there's something going on that would be classic Agatha Harkness which we all think Agnes is based on because Agatha Harkness was one of the original Salem witches at least that's her comic book origin and that would be cool I I think this leads me to a question for you guys. It's that, do you guys really, do you think it's going to be Agatha or I mean, Agnes doing the manipulating or is it could be Mephisto? I think the funnier part is that Paul Benny did mention in an interview that the sitcom thing was going to come into play. Like, why are they in a sitcom? That wasn't just for um, design. Like that actually is part of the story that there's a reason why they're actually being placed within these sitcoms in the different eras. So it's like, I wonder who is going to be behind it. So there is another theory for that too. (laughs) This is just stuff I've read, but people believe that whoever is trying to get these children is putting them through various eras where they'd be easier to like groom or like different areas of time where they could have these different values where it'd be easier for them to get these kids, something like that. So there is something going on, but a lot of it stems from, Agnes clearly has some sort of connection to the kids and she wants them for whatever reason because supposedly they're supposed to be really powerful. Even Mrs. Hart, when they went to dinner in the first episode, asked Wanda and Vision, why why don't you have kids yet? And their kids obviously are Wiccan and Speed from the comics. So that's going to be another, we're going to see some future heroes get set up within WandaVision, hopefully. 
I just, I just can't believe this day's like finally here that like one we're actually talking about WandaVision it felt like almost like a dream for this past like couple of years that we were like never gonna get like MCU content again and now like we're back we're talking about it. it's just so exciting to just speculate just the future of the series and we have so much left to go because like we're just in the sitcom phase we're not even into the mcu spectacular phase yet like we like to say here at the boardwalk times and feige we trust yeah and feige we trust for sure i mean even ben affleck trusts the man he doesn't even work for him yet very true very true yep give kevin a medal for this this is just i i, I love this series love this series so one thing i want to mention obviously because i i did this a lot on mandalorian on this is the way cast is the music which is being composed by christoph beck who has previously done a lot of work for Disney, including the two Ant-Man films and both the Frozen movies. He clearly, obviously, it was going to be the correct choice. His music is very old school, befitting of each time period. And, you know, there's constant like little xylophone um, riffs whenever they're doing, you know, <laughs> like non-diegetic sound effects with the music whenever they're messing around and little, little, goofs like that that feel very reminiscent of old sitcoms and you know cartoons from the times and the actual theme during the credits of the show sounds like it's going to evolve to the end where it's more electronic and orchestral so i like what they're doing with that i really appreciate this um you know kind of authenticity where it's like we're going to make the music old school but it's still going to be something new and you can hear it transforming. I also, speaking of music, Giovanni, I love that the Lopez's are doing original theme songs for each sitcom episode. Like we had the one for the first two that were both fantastic. I can't wait till they get to the eighties episode because I hope they do a full house type riff song for this. And I hope, uh, Elizabeth Olsen gives a nod to her sisters because they were pretty famous um, sitcom actors on Full House. Man, I would love that. She's already, I think she's already said that they're not going to appear or anything. But yeah, I think it would be cool if she gave them a nod. And uh, if they get into like, now that you're mentioning it, uh, Full House is musically very late 80s so there's a lot of electric guitar um and that would be cool to see because christoph beck is is pretty good at being a musical chame chameleon um for the ant-man stuff he did very heist music like very noir style like superhero heist stuff um but with wandavision he has a chance to do some weirder wackier stuff so that'd be pretty cool we have to discuss this is connected wandavision is connected to spider-man 3 and it's also connected to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You have, this is the multiverse saga. And Elizabeth Olsen's going to appear in Doctor Strange. And we have to determine, how are we going to get there? And me being a speculator, I did this on This Is The Way cast. I always said like, oh, this is what's going to happen in the finale. This is what's going to happen in the finale. I already have a theory in the finale. And I want you guys to grade it. And you guys can be honest. I feel like the finale is going to be bonkers. I don't know specifics, but I do think the post-credits are going to involve Doctor Strange. I feel like he's going to show up because I feel like you can't do an MCU show without a post-credit. That is a good theory. I am slightly skeptical of it only because 
Marvel is going to be releasing new television shows. So I feel like if they wanted to tease us for anything, it would be to watch the next TV shows. But I like the idea of Doctor Strange making an appearance because at some point they're going to have to team up and it would be a very quick and concise thing just to team them up in an end credit scene instead of trying to establish that in a new film. Um, it would be nicer to go into the next Doctor Strange movie just knowing that they're already teamed up. You can just get straight into the action, you know? How do you guys feel about a possible Dick Van Dyke cameo? Oh my gosh. I would absolutely love that. I am really, really hoping and praying because he's one of my favorite actors of all time. Um, saw him in person, I think at D23, like on a stage and I like freaked out. So if I could see him on my TV in this setting, Dick Van Dyke in the MCU, like, come on, please. Yes. Dick Van Dyke in the MCU. Dick Van Dyke as Mephisto. That's how it's going to go down. OMG, <laughs> that would be the most hilarious twist ever. Oh my gosh. Him as the big bad of phase four. I can't, I can't see him as that. It would be cool, but he's just so, he's just so he's sweet too looking. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it would be so hilarious. It would be like so off the wall. Like, like remember that one time when Marvel cast at Dick Van Dyke as the villain? <laughs> like, that feels perfectly suited for this show, though. Because if you watch a lot of these comedic scenes, the actors are clearly having a ton of fun. Like the scene where where uh, Wanda and Vision are practicing their uh, their magic act. It, you can see Elizabeth Olsen like like having a blast whenever she's getting locked in the magic. Uh, <laughs> wardrobe or whatever that, that was so funny like you can tell that they're they're making this like with with smiles on their faces the whole time just having a blast it's really fun yeah the exaggerated acting of the time is they're just doing it so perfectly and yes you can tell they're having so much fun with it and also i wanted to point out back to dick van dyke we have seen him as a villain before y'all seen night at the museum i rest my case whoa what wait a minute He's the security guard oh at night at the museum. And then he turns out to be like a bad guy, quote, quote, um, because oh he wants to like steal from the museum or something. It's been a hot minute since I've watched the movie, but he's he's the, the bad guy in that movie. Well, mind blown. Wow. Yeah. I, I, same here, Giovanni. Wow. Maybe, maybe there is more there. There is more um, evidence to that uh, theory than we believed. <laughs> Within the show, we're going to see some multiverse hijinks, probably. And one, with Disney's acquisition of 21st Century Fox, they can now use the X-Men. And rumors for months now has said that Evan Peters will be in WandaVision. Evan Peters played Quicksilver, but in the 21st Century Fox X-Men universe, not the Marvel Studios version. So the rumor on the street is that Quicksilver, like Evan Peters, might show up. But there's also another rumor that he might be the big bad of this entire series, and he may be playing Mephisto. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on just Evan Peters being in the series or like how, you know, Wanda having a relationship with her brother that she's like never really been on screen with. That'll be interesting uh, since, you know, previously Aaron Taylor Johnson was the MCU version of the same character, but clearly... Evan Peters' version is much more popular, which obviously has a little bit more to do with the interpretation than the actor. But it, I think it's cool if they end up doing it because, like I said, Evan Peters is the more popular choice. He seems to embody the character, or at least the traditional version of the character, much better. Um, 
And now that they have, you know, Fox and they can start doing mutants and stuff, which I, I don't see them doing that anytime soon. I don't think it's going to be a part of WandaVision. I do think it's cool to reference their comic book origins and have him do stuff. Now, if he turns into the villain, though, that would be a nice twist because then Wanda, Wanda has her trust broken by another dead soul of hers. For me, I will admit I am not well-versed in non-MCU Marvel content. I tend to focus more and working on expanding, but you're both right. Disney has acquired these properties, and so they're going to have to combine one way or another. And Evan Peters is a very popular actor, so I think that and the character that he portrayed is also very popular. So I think it would be a good mix and it would introduce people like me who have just kind of exclusively watched MCU stuff into these other properties because like the movies are available on Disney Plus now and we can build up a fan base for these characters and bring them in somehow, put a nice bow on it. Synergy, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, you know, you made a good point there. It's sort of like what The Mandalorian season two did. Like they introduced characters from Clone Wars and then all of a sudden on Disney Plus you see Clone Wars is trending more and more so actually if they do something like that within WandaVision that would be fascinating to watch to see if the things trend it like when I went on to Disney Plus this morning all the main titles next to WandaVision were all the Avengers slash MCU films so it's clearly they're going all in on this WandaVision day right now so it's going to be super cool. And I think Evan Peters possibly appearing, whether it's as Quicksilver or as the big bad or a mixture of both would be a nice twist like for this entire series. I feel like we're going to have to put a uh, poll on Twitter and be like, who do you think the bad guy is going to be Evan Peters or Dick Van Dyke? Does anybody have any predictions for how next week is going to go? We're moving into a new decade. We have color now. We have gotten a tease of sword. Some characters are getting confused. Like people are calling out to Wanda. We've got new characters who are starting to realize that something is up. What do you guys think is going to happen next? I think the kids are going to be born next episode and they're going to drop a bomb on us. Some sort of reveal. At least that's what all those critics that got to see it early are saying. There's going to be something big in this third episode. Uh, we'll see. These worlds are colliding. So the Twilight Zone stuff is going to can only last so long. You know what I mean? I think my prediction for next episode, I think the next episode's the 70s, right? Is it? Is it the 70s era? Yes. Uh, I think it's Brady Bunch. Are they parodying Brady Bunch or, or like they're? Um, doing an homage to Brady Bunch, and I want to piggyback on Giovanni. I think the kids Wiccan and Speed will be born next episode, and I do think maybe the episode runtime will be longer. Like it'll be a longer episode, and like they'll flesh more of the Twilight Zone, more of the MCU spectacular aspects out. But you know, I really hope it does keep this like very fun sitcom format too, because I think that's what makes the show so unique and enjoyable. I agree. And I am jealous of next week's cast that gets to talk about this. Oh, um, yeah. Yes, it's going to be so good. Zach, you're going to be on the cast, but who else will be joining you? Well, I'm going to be joined by Iris, who writes for Boardwalk Times. She's going to be on the pod, making her Boardwalk Times podcast network debut, basically. And then I'm going to be joined by Julia from The Direct, and she's written for a couple other websites. She's a big Marvel fan. So next week's show is going to be spectacular. 
Yes, I'm excited to hear all of their hot takes about this next episode. I know Julia and Iris both are very obsessed with the MCU, and I think that they're going to bring some really great content to this podcast. So if you're listening, come back next week. Or if we're way in the future, listen to the next episode because they're (laughs) going to be awesome. Thanks for listening to our first episode of Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel. Tune in next week where I'll be joined by Julia Delville and Iris Nyholt. We're also on Apple Podcasts, so subscribe and leave us a five-star review. For more Marvel content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BoardwalkTimes.